Love Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sign Guy Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Sign Guy along with QT with you on a, another episode. But real fast before we jump into things with our guests, some show notes if you're looking for wrestling this week. Tonight, WCWO running in Indianapolis as usual. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio. PPW in Jeffersonville, Indiana. SPW in Denver, Colorado. Conquest in Charleston, West Virginia. And Divine Wrestling in Brownstown, Michigan. Tomorrow night, Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana. 907 Wrestling Academy in Anchorage, Alaska. AACW in Kokomo, Indiana. RCW in South Bend, Indiana. CWF in Lafayette, Indiana. MICW in Salem, Indiana. Shockwave in New Bern, Tennessee. New Era Wrestling in Shelbyville, Indiana. Paragium Pro in Jeffersonville, Indiana. UPW in Greenfield, Indiana. PPW in Bedford, Indiana. DAE in Las Vegas, Nevada. AWE in Coldwater, Michigan. And MPW tomorrow night in Kena, West Virginia. But without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the program today. We are pleased to have him. Prince Kai, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, being that it is your first time with this, I will start you out with our traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? All right. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I think when I was six years old, because I believe it was in 96, I was uh, up watching the WCW show, because I, I loved watching wrestling since I was a kid. And the thing that made me want to get into wrestling was that I saw uh, Jericho do that. Um, I don't know if you guys remember. He was walking around D.C. with a, I'm a victim of a conspiracy theory sign. And he's just walking around, like, being very entertaining. And then I, when I was seeing wrestle, like, I pretty much had fell in love with Jericho. So um, that segment specifically will maybe want to think, like, hey, I kind of want to see if I can do this and get, become a professional wrestler. So I wanted to be one pretty much since the age of six. Speaking of Chris Jericho, in recent times, you have been appearing on occasion on AEW programming, which, of course, is where Chris Jericho applies his trade now. When you first started out, was it in your mind that eventually you wanted to be on the same shows as someone like Chris Jericho, or was that something that didn't really enter your mind until later on in your career? I mean, it didn't really enter my mind because, I mean, he was like my like all-time favorite, of course, like it was a dream of mine, like to work to be in the same 
show with him and work on the same show with him, but like I never really thought I would get there. I've kind of done a lot since I started wrestling, and it's kind of crazy. Like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm super blessed, but uh, I just keep working hard, and eventually, uh, my goal is to you know work work with him full time. But no, I didn't uh, no, I, I didn't think I would be on a show because Jericho. When I first saw him, I kind of was like, oh, I was like, holy crap, this Jericho is like right there in front of me. <laughs> Obviously, working on shows uh, like AEW Dark and Dark Elevation and so forth that is geared more towards a broadcast audience than it is to the live crowd, uh, that is different than your standard independent, which is, generally speaking, just in front of the live audience that paid to see you there at the time. Do you find yourself having to wrestle differently when you're doing a televised match as opposed to when you're just in front of the live crowd? Um, it feels a little different, but I, don't, I, I pretty much try to stay the same because, you know, how the, the essence of wrestling is, is supposed to be. You know, we're all supposed to be, you know, uh, performing as if this was all real. So, I mean, uh, it doesn't really bother me. I don't really think it'll wrestle different. But I do, I, I am a little more, uh, I don't know what's the word, like I'm a little more hyped when in front of a live crowd of like paying fans because I can feed off of them better. And I, I usually get a lot more animated when I'm in front of a live crowd because they give you such great energy. I mean, because the wrestling fans are pretty much some of the greatest fans on the planet. So um, I definitely prefer to wrestle in front of them. But I don't think I really change anything differently as far as, you know, how I put together a match or how I wrestle. AEW for the last year up until this past Wednesday, uh, they wrestled exclusively in Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Indiana, which looks to be a really nice venue. But anyone that has been on the independence knows that if a promoter can fit a ring somewhere, they will run a show there, and that leads to sometimes some very unusual venues for wrestling shows what would you say so far has been some of the more unusual places where you've wrestled i've wrestled inside a, a like a, a a livestock yard um like you know they have the little fins for the livestock on the outside and this is out buchanan georgia i love the show but I, I thought that was one of the more unusual places that i've wrestled and i've wrestled on a tennis court too outside of the rec center so <laughs> It was it was super hot in the ring, it felt like it was 120 degrees. But I mean, the fans love it, so I guess that's what matters. But those are some of the more unusual places I've wrestled that I didn't necessarily expect to. And because I know the one on the tennis court, I didn't even know it was like an outside show until I got there. Now, speaking of uh, tennis courts, AEW is headed to the New York area, and they'll be at the Arthur Ashe Center, which is, of course, a tennis court. Having experience on a wrestling show held at a tennis court, has anyone (laughs) asked you about what to expect kind of from that type of venue? Um, uh, No, not really. I mean, we kind of just, we're, like, happy to be there. I won't be on that one in particular, but, like, hmm. 
No, I don't. There's no nobody's actually uh, anything to expect anything in particular from him. I mean, like the, his, that's totally different. Like that's an arena. I was like, as a build is gonna be laser. I'm sure as the sets, everything's gonna look great. But like the one I was on was literally like broken fence, surrounded by broken fences, and it was all cracked up, blacktop, and the fans were just lying across the gate. <laughs> well, I think the one in Arthur Ashe is gonna be totally different. Uh, they do a really good job. And I'm sure the show is going to be, like, amazing because, um, like, just being at backstage at AW is an amazing experience. Everybody's super nice. They're super helpful. Everybody speaks. Um, and they give you good advice. And they, you know, they pull you aside and tell you what you need to work on and, you know, what looks good, what didn't look good. So, yeah. One of the things that is especially important this time of year, especially – when a lot of outdoor shows are happening is staying hydrated. Obviously, once you're in a match and you've been in there for 10, 20, 30 minutes, it's hard to stay hydrated at that point. But uh, leading up to your match, and of course, after the match, it's extremely important to make sure you're hydrated. Uh, What are some of the steps that you personally take to make sure that you're properly hydrated for your match? I usually drink a couple bottles of water uh, leading up, just from getting out of bed and leading up to the show, but usually right before I go on, I actually drink Pedialyte. I drink Pedialyte and maybe take a shot of pickle juice so I don't get cramps, and I go from there. I mean, that's always been my little hack, is to drink a thing of Pedialyte right before I wrestle. I mean, and it's been working. I, I, I rarely get tired. And I'm and I usually don't have the you know, I'm never I'm almost never dehydrated, so yeah, those are some of the things I do. That's very good advice. Uh, hopefully some wrestlers paying attention today will start packing Pedialyte. Yeah, <laughs> it hydrates you quick, man, and keep you good for very for a long time. Obviously in professional wrestling Diet has always been an important factor for maintaining ring shape. Uh, Some people take it a lot more seriously than others. Uh, Some people have very unusual things that they do with their diet. Some people are just very basic and have high metabolism, so it's uh, not as regimented. What would you say in recent times has been your diet situation to be able to be ring ready? Um, just just sticking to my diet. Like uh, I had a meal plan put together um, by uh, one of the people at Nightmare Factory down here in Georgia, and that's what helped me lean out because after the pandemic, I mean, I was I got tubby. I'm not gonna lie, I got pretty big. The quarantine did not treat my body well, but um. I went to the folks at Nightmare Factory down there, and uh, Carolyn, she got me. She got me on a meal plan. And it, it's pretty good, uh, you know. Thing, uh, I, be, I eat a lot of ground beef, green vegetables, um, egg whites, and egg whites with uh, one regular egg in the morning. Um, uh, steak. I eat ground turkey. I mean, that's been pretty good. Uh, that's pretty much what my diet's been. I eat six meal. Well, no, I'm sorry, five meals a day, one shake. And uh, just sticking to it is tough because after a while it becomes like a job. But I just keep reminding myself, you know, I'm doing this for wrestling and I'm doing this, you know, to stay in shape so I can stay, in, stay ring ready. 
And uh, I don't just want to be a wrestler. I want to look like a wrestler. So I pretty much do that. I mean, I'm, I I stick to it for the most part. There are some times because I love food. So, you know, you have sometimes you just want a wing or two. (laughs) But for the most part, uh, that's what I do. One of the more important roles in wrestling is one that a lot of time gets overlooked by fans and sometimes by the people in the industry, that being the role of the referee. Uh, They can be extremely helpful especially for younger wrestlers if you have an experienced referee in there. I know you've worked with several different referees in your career. Who would you say are some of the better referees out there that people should uh, pay a little more attention to and recognize how good they actually are? Um, I mean, there's so many. Who's the best one I've worked with or who are some of the better ones? Some of the better ones. I mean, I... Uh, okay. Um, uh, Tristan Michaels down here at uh, Anarchy Wrestling in Georgia. He's pretty good. I mean, he wrestled one of my first matches when I started back in 2014. And um, he's really good. He keeps pace. Um, ah, we have a lot of nicknames down in wrestling. Dee Byers is pretty good as well down here uh, in Georgia. Uh, I don't even know. I know one is Pops. If he's listening, you'll know who he is. And he's pretty good. Like, he keeps track of the time. Um, the referee is extremely important. They feed us our cues. They let us know where our time is. They, you know, a, a good a ref, a good ref could make or break a match. And those are just some of the guys that I have the pleasure of working with. Um, uh, because they've helped me out a lot, and they've actually taught me a lot. Um, I've even I had the uh, also had the pleasure of learning some stuff from Teddy Long, and he's he trains some refs down here in Georgia, and uh, Nick Patrick as well. Those are some pretty solid referees, for sure. Now, one of the things that a lot of wrestlers will start to pay attention to every year is the PWI 500. A lot of wrestlers have career goals when they start of making the 500. Uh, Some people put more stock into it than others. But PWI has been around for well over 40 years now, and it's still going strong, still on the newsstands, and it's still obviously read by a lot of people. Do you think that PWI is still, in today's wrestling marketplace, a viable tool for helping promote wrestlers, especially on the independent level, or do you think that it's something that maybe has outlived its usefulness at this point? Oh, no, I think it's a very useful um, tool for independent wrestlers. I mean, that's one of our goals to get on PWI. You know, the more exposure you get, uh, the more bookings you get, the more bookings you get, you know, the more you notice you get from the big companies. I, I think it's extremely important. I have a couple of friends who have been on there, um, and it's helped them out tremendously. Um for example, uh, O'Shea Edwards, he's one of my good friends. He got on PWX, and now he's in ROH. He's worked pretty – he's worked really hard, too. He's cut his promos and everything. He hits the road as much as possible. But I think it's still effective in today's wrestling. I think it's extremely helpful and important for an independent wrestler to try to strive to get his name on that list because, I mean, that's the list that 
a lot of the wrestling fans still pay attention to. They still purchase uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So I think it's extremely important. When you broke in, did you have that career goal of making the PWI 500? Uh, yes, I did. Um, I don't think I was as busy as I should have been when I first started in because, you know, I had some life issues that happened. But, um, yeah, that is one of my goals is to make the PWI uh, top 500 list. Well, hopefully you will make that list. We'll find out in a couple of months, I believe. <laughs> yeah, you know, hopefully. I hope, I hope I'm on it this time. I've seen a lot of guys get on it, and I'm happy for all of them. But, you know, I think my time is coming soon. Uh, I'm getting more and more bookings, especially now with the recent exposure. So hopefully I do make the list. We hope so, for sure. <laughs> One of the other things that has helped in the last several years with a lot of wrestlers uh, getting their name out there and advancing their career a bit is the wrestling books that have really come out. Uh, A lot of wrestlers, even at the independent level, have written autobiographies, and that usually helps kind of get their name out there, gets fans talking about them. A lot of the historical books on wrestling sort of gets wrestling fans excited to go out and watch more live wrestling after they've gotten into the books. Have you personally uh, gotten into reading some of the wrestling books and do you have a particular favorite if you have? Um, no, not really. I, instead, I usually, I'm not a big reader. I do love Audible, but I haven't really gotten to the wrestling books. I do watch a lot of old wrestling, um, like a lot of NWA, Mid-Atlantic, a lot of Georgia Championship wrestling. I watch a lot of that stuff because, I mean, it's, it's timeless, it's classic, it's great storytelling, and it's, some of the stuff still applies today. I just try to bring a happy medium of, you know, old school, but, you know, with new school moves. But, like, uh, no, nah, I can't say that I um, have. I, 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 I tend to just study wrestling more so than uh, read. I, like I said, I study a lot of the old-time wrestling. I study a lot of new wrestling. Like, I'm always studying, 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 you know, trying to make myself better because, you know, <laughs> it's has to have the battle. Absolutely. One of the other major career goals that a lot of wrestlers uh, for the last however many years, 40, 50 years, uh, they put getting to Japan as a major career goal. In the last decade or so, it's become more accessible for independent wrestlers to be able to go to Japan and wrestle tours in that country than it ever has before. Has getting to Japan ever been something that you've thought about for your own career? Oh, absolutely. I would love to wrestle in Japan. I would love to just visit Japan just as a tourist, but yeah, I would love to go to Japan. Um, that is actually one of my goals to wrestle in Japan and do a short tour there and just learn as much as I can about that style of wrestling. And it's just pick the brains of all the wrestlers over there and stuff to see what I could bring back to add to my game um, over here. But yeah, definitely that's been a goal of mine to get to Japan and wrestle. Now, if you get to Japan how long do you think it would take you to get to the Ribera Steakhouse and try to get one of those jackets? <laughs> well, no, I don't know, man, but hopefully I get one soon. Um, uh, the 
example, the person that I know recently got on was uh, Aja Perez. She's now a ref in WWE, but um, yeah, like I definitely want to get a a ribeye. I want I want to go to I want to go to uh, Ribera's Steakhouse and take my picture with the jacket and have it placed on the wall. That is actually one of my goals. Um, I think it's pretty cool whenever I see guys uh, posting, and they always add a new wrestlers, and hopefully very soon I'll be one of them. Even if I got to fly over there myself and go and go myself. <laughs> Now, obviously, you're still fairly young into your career. You're still growing and everything as a wrestler, but oftentimes wrestlers at some point in their career start thinking of ways to stay in the business after the in-ring portion is done for them. Oftentimes, that will lead to thoughts of, getting into the booking end of the business. A lot of people just want that creative outlet and they want to be a part of that realm of wrestling if they can't physically be in the ring anymore. Is being a wrestling booker something that you've ever considered? Uh, Yes, I have. I love everything about wrestling, being a wrestling booker. Um, just to see what different kind of ideas you can come up with and see what we do, what's, what's successful, what wouldn't work. I've definitely thought about being a booker. I also enjoy training um, a lot and also enjoy training new guys who break in and, you know, giving them advice, you know, from some stuff that I picked up and learned the hard way. So, yeah, definitely um, post-wrestling, I could I could see myself still staying in business any way I can because I love it so much. I mean, I grew up watching wrestling. I've been a wrestling fan since I was a kid. So I could definitely see myself being a booker or a trainer. Now, you clearly had a very, very good trainer. Would you, uh, when you start to train people, sort of pattern yourself on how you were trained, or do you have a totally different way of training new wrestlers? Uh, I pattern my how I was trained. Um, of course, I was trained by Mr. Hughes, and, yeah, I mean, he's really one of the best trainers, like, ever, because, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about him. And this, the, his, the, his technique and his approach towards training works. And that's kind of how I model, model myself after him. Because he, he kind of, after, like, you know, we got the stuff down with the newer guys that come, he'll have us work with the newer people, show them how to do the stuff. And then people would bring them in the ring in front, in front of him. And then if somebody messed up, like, who told you how to do that? And then he would correct it. He will correct them in front of us. And he will like, you know, that's not how you do this. That's how you do that. And he was a very hands-on trainer. I mean, even in his older age, he still got in the ring. He still would take the bumps. He still would show us exactly how to do it himself. So, I mean, I kind of model myself after him, the way he trained me. In the last several years, Mr. Hughes really transformed his body uh, from when he was an active wrestler. He went from... 350-plus pounds and a really big guy to slimming down to well under 300 pounds and looking a lot more uh, lean and athletic than he really did in his active wrestling days. Do you know uh, sort of what Mr. Hughes went through as far as making the changes and being able to make that transition body-wise? Um, from what he's told me, he just started eating a lot healthier. He wouldn't eat as, as huge because he used to eat really huge portions because he used to room with Yokozuna. 
So he used to eat really huge portions when he was, you know, during his run. But he said after a while, you know, he's getting older, his knees are bothering him, so he, he lost the weight, you know, flash for mobility reasons. But he just worked out hard and he, he ate healthy. He just changed completely how he ate. And, and he's been working for him ever since. He just eats cleaner now. That will often help uh, when you don't think that that makes a huge difference. Usually you try it for a couple of weeks and you do see a major difference. Yeah. When you were uh, training with Mr. Hughes, Obviously, uh, he knows the wrestling end of it as far as entering and all of that. But did he help you as far as all the other aspects of the business, such as like what to do diet-wise and what to do uh, lifting weights and cardio or what to do as far as the etiquette in the locker room? Uh, some trainers I know are always teaching those things, and some trainers – leave that part up to the wrestlers to figure out once they start. As far as the weight training, he gave us pointers here and there, and he would, but for the most part, he said, you know, you guys got to figure out what works for your body because everybody's body's different. But he was huge on, like, locker room etiquette and how to carry yourself as a wrestler, how to be respectful, um, what to do, what not to do. He he when he would take us on bookings and stuff when he thought it was ready and he would teach us how to handle business he would mail he always made sure we got paid even if he had to pay us he never let anybody screw us over or anything so I really appreciated that and he taught us how to talk to promoters and talk business and and how to and how to how to book shows and the proper way to do it and how not to do it and how to put together a wrestling resume and how do you send it you know he taught us all that stuff you know because he was always one of us. Put us in the best position to get a job because he, he honestly wants all the guys he's trains to get a job and to be on TV. And every time we get on TV, he posts us. Yeah, this is the guy I train. This is the guy. It's really like a source of pride for him. So um, yeah, he definitely he definitely showed us um, stuff you know outside of the in ring part of uh, wrestling. Mr. Hughes obviously opened up his uh, wrestling academy, and he's been very, very successful with it. A lot of wrestlers open up actual schools that they run full-time, people like Lance Storm, uh, Dustin Ronalds, Tom Pritchard, and Glenn Jacobs. Uh, So many more have opened up full-time schools. When you start to do more of the training aspect of the business, do you have plans to open up your own full-time school, or are you looking to uh, maybe coach at someone else's school? Um, I'm, I, I usually like to have my own stuff, so if, if I would to, was to do that, you know, towards the end of my wrestling career, at the end of it, I would definitely probably open up my own school um, and, you know, pretty much try to provide something that a lot of schools didn't. Um, one of the things that drew me to Mr. Hughes' school was that he had uh, a weekly show every week for students to showcase what they learned. So that kind of helped us got, get a lot better because before we even got to, like, actual promotions, we had already had about, like, 30 or 40 matches because we wrestled almost every every single week. I think it was every Thursday, I believe. 
And it was a free show because he didn't believe in charging people for to watch student wrestlers. But, I mean, we used to have a place packed. So I would definitely have my own school and probably run it similar to that. Well, at this point in time, my co-host QT is standing by, and I'm sure that he also has some questions for you. So I'm going to pass things over to him for a bit. All right. Well, thank you, Sun Guy. Hello, Prince Kai. Hey, how you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Um, Prince Kai, I saw your YouTube video entitled Blanco, Sultan of the Sky Loco versus Prince Kai, and in parentheses, Prince Apollo, and I was immediately struck at the flamboyant robe that Blanco Loco <laughs> wore into the ring right before the oh, match. Yeah, yeah I remember that. So. Yeah, <laughs> he has like great. He has the greatest costumes and and, and gear. I mean, he has a ton of it. Well, he handed it down to one of his assistants in the way Ric Flair did with his robe with his robes. My question is, do you believe that the robe Blanco Loco wore before your match was probably worth thirty percent? or a third of the cost of a Ric Flair robe? I have no idea, man. I mean, I know he plays, I don't know how much his stuff costs, but he plays a, he plays a pretty good price for his things, but I, as no, I have no idea. Because the Ric, oh, Ric Flair, the, what was, I think Ric Flair's was almost 15 grand, 10 grand a robe. I think uh, some of his were, if they were encrusted with some diamonds, yes. Yeah. I don't think anybody's getting any close to the dedication Ric Flair putting to putting into putting his gear and his robes and things are uh, classics and masterpieces in itself. Yeah, I and uh, he took he also took uh, great care to keep track of them. But every now and then you heard a robe of his getting stolen, which is very yeah. un- unfortunate. Yes, very very unfortunate. Okay. Yes. Well, Prince Kai. At the two-minute and 16-second mark of the match, you had Blanco's left arm pinned behind his back. He dropped down to a sitting position to the mat with his arm still barred. He then rolled on his left shoulder, then his neck, and then he rolled on his right shoulder, came up to a crouched position, and used his right arm to strike the back of your left knee above the calf for a single-leg takedown. My question is, were you surprised at the speed of this defensive single-leg reversal takedown on yourself? <laughs> uh, yes, I was. Um, he's a skilled uh, technical wrestler as well, even though he, he presents himself as a flyer. He's very good and, uh, at technical wrestling. That's what I tend to lean towards, but yeah, I was quite surprised. I mean, um, you got a thing broken down to a science, man. You sure you ain't just watched it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I do very good video analysis, yes. <laughs> well, I, uh, sometimes in uh, high school and college wrestling, the freestyle, you see a wrestler when he is in the down position uh, sometimes uh, to try to get a stand-up or an escape, which is what they call an escape, you see them roll from shoulder to neck to shoulder away from their opponent to, to get an escape. 
but it's kind of a risky move because if the guy on top uh, to start uh, like a round two or round three gets the guy when he's uh, rolling on his uh, shoulder, he can get uh, a pin attempt on him. Freestyle wrestling. That really wasn't uh, my thing. Uh, I, I just went straight for professional wrestling. Um, I always wanted to do amateur wrestling, but unfortunately, my, my actual high school didn't offer it, which is sad. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, so, yeah. My, so, I, I mean, I don't know too much about uh, amateur wrestling. I tackled with a guy, uh, Shoot Taylor. He's an amateur wrestler. He won the, actually was the champion in high school. He was almost undefeated. But uh, nah, I don't got too much knowledge of amateur wrestling. Oh, okay. I only say that because sometimes when you go on YouTube and you look up NCAA wrestling matches, you can see the great Kyle Sanderson, who went all four years at the at uh, Iowa State, I believe it was, undefeated, and he was a four-time NCAA champ. I think there's a video out there where he is in the down position and he uses that shoulder-neck-shoulder roll to escape an opponent in an NCAA championship match, which is pretty rare. Kyle Sanderson. Uh, okay, I'll look it up because actually I do like watching amateur wrestling, though, just for study purposes to see what I can incorporate in the ring. A professional oh. wrestling because I do I do because I enjoy technical wrestling. I mean that's pretty much where it comes from, amateur wrestling. Yes. Okay. Well, as you are looking up some videos of Kyle Sanderson, who also went on to win an Olympic gold, you might want to look up uh, videos of Dan Gable. Okay, I definitely know that. I know who that is. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. The great Dan Gable, who was yes. ten to, who won, I believe, ten NCAA championships in a row with Iowa. Dan Gable. Yep. Okay. Well, Prince Kai, you spoke of an early influence of Chris Jericho, uh, him being an early influence. Did you see the WWE segment where he was backstage with Roddy Piper, and he told Piper that it was kind of like a piper's pit. He pointed out he had the coconuts, he had the fire extinguisher, and he had the poster of Hot Rod himself. And then Jericho said, that poster should be of me, a true champion. And then Roddy (laughs) Piper blew his nose into a handkerchief. Did you see that one? (laughs) I most likely did, but I I can't recall it. Um, I've I've watched the ice guy. it was a while ago where I watched it on the network over and over again, but no, I can't recall, but I, I vaguely remember it. Oh, okay. Well, as Jericho was uh, talking, Piper uh, repeatedly blew his nose into a handkerchief to uh, interrupt Jericho's train of thought or speech. <laughs> and then he said, well, Chris, I have a special guest I want to bring on. And he brought on Chris Masters. And Chris Masters came out to, to uh, he, Roddy said, do that thing that, that you did, uh, you know, yesterday. And Chris Masters moved both sides of his chest to the song, Boom, Boom, Pow. <laughs> and Chris Jericho got a look on his face like Sam the Eagle on the Muppet Show. 
my question <laughs> is, were you a big fan of Sam the Eagle on the Muppet Show? Uh, I can't say that I was. Oh, okay. Well, now, granted, that show started in the, in the 70s. You may have been a little <laughs> bit too young to remember who uh, Sam the Eagle was. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm a 90s kid, man. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, in, in addition to looking up Dan Gable and Kale Sanderson, you might go and look up Sam the Eagle on the Muppet Show. <laughs> I would do that. I only assign you this homework assignment because that is <laughs> the look that Chris Jericho got when Chris Masters did his <laughs> boom boom pow. <laughs> yes. I have to make sure I can, I have to make sure I can put my homework assignment in, man, so I can know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, now, Mr. Prince, if you could travel back in time in a time machine, m- machine like Stewie Griffin on on the Family Guy, and get in the ring with Chris Masters, could you break the Master Lock Challenge? Uh, I'll definitely give my best shot, but I don't think I'll break it. Because, I mean, I'm oh, strength. Okay. I don't think I'm getting out of there. But <laughs> Yes. It, it took Bobby Lashley as the first one to break it. Bobby Lashley. Well, you built like a tank. <laughs> yes. Even the even the well built Val Venus could not break it. Val Venus. Okay. Well, Prince Kai, at the five minute and fifty eight second mark of your match with Blanco Loco, you lifted him off his feet while you were standing behind him, and then in a modified suplex, you slammed him to the mat. Now, to lift him up, uh, someone with the size of Blanco Loco, uh, to shoulder height requires a lot of leg strength. In your workouts, do you yourself do a lot of squats with high reps with lighter rates for explosiveness and then heavy weights for power? I do, I do a mixture of both, but I try to focus on a uh, lightweight, lightweight with a lot of reps for explosiveness. Um, I usually have one day of heavy just to switch it up from time to time, but I mostly focus on lightweight just to save my joints over time. But, yeah, um, my, leg, my leg workout is a big part of my workout. I do, leg, I do uh, that. I do deadlifts. I do free squats. I, do, yeah, I, I love the leg press. I try to load that thing up as much as much as I possibly can, but uh, nothing beats squats. So yeah, but for the most part, to answer your question, I do do uh, light weights with high reps, just because you know in wrestling, I want to make sure my legs are good, just as good in the end of the match as they are in the beginning of the match. So that okay. so that'll require a lot of muscle endurance. Okay, all right, uh, and uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, also was a huge proponent of squats. He did, he did uh, I think, 40 reps of 135 pounds, but he did them in a limited time, like two minutes, uh, with, you know, 40 reps. That gave him his explosiveness, especially, especially in the Olympic scene or, or when he was uh, wrestling in college. Were you a big fan of Kurt Angle? Uh, yes, I uh, absolutely am a big fan of Kurt Angle. Um, I, I still watch a lot of his stuff. A lot of his, a lot of his moves I used when I first started um, wrestling. 
just when I was just simply called Apollo. Um, I'm a big fan of Kurt. I tried his workout uh, one time. It's ridiculous. I couldn't walk anymore, and I, so I try to. I kind of after that, I kind of got away from it and modified it. So to something I'm comfortable with because uh, Kurt's conditioning and his uh, workouts are legendary. Do you do you know if there's any YouTube videos out there of Kurt Angle wrestling Chris Jericho? Um, yeah, there's uh, there are a lot of uh, videos out there floating around from his matches on uh, pay-per-views and on uh, Raw and SmackDown. Um, there, I don't think it was that many. Though. Okay, but, right. Well, Prince Kai. The wrestling world was saddened by the recent death of Paul Orndorff. To your knowledge, did Orndorff ever wrestle Chris Jericho? I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. I'll ha- I myself will have to uh, uh, research that. Okay. Okay. Well, Prince Kai, Orndorff was known as a legitimately tough man outside the ring. My question is... Who would you rather have in a street fight on your side uh, with these choices? Bruno San Martino, Paul Orendorf, Ken Shamrock, Brock Lesnar, or Haku? Haku. Uh, I thought so. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather have Haku. <laughs> yes. There's not too many people that will walk into a bar in San Diego and sit there and eventually fight three or four Navy SEALs at a time. Not too many. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Well, Prince Kai, is it your hope to one day attend a Chris Jericho and Fozzie concert? I'm sure I would love to. I'm a big fan of Chris Jericho. I'll try to support him any way I can. I would love to. Hopefully I would. uh, I get to see one as a guest, as, as an invited guest. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, Prince Kai, I'm I in our history of our show, I am somewhat of a video analysis expert. I rarely am defeated in guessing a person's height within about a half inch and weight within 20 pounds. Uh, in my video analysis of your match with uh, Blanco, Sultan of the Sky Loco, I have come up with a target height and weight that I uh, would like to now present to you what I think your height and weight is. Can I take a stab at it? Uh, yes, sir. Oh. My guess. All right. I'm guessing you go six foot two and a quarter and 218 pounds. That's my height. Oh, well, I'll take the compliment. Uh, my height. My height is actually. I'm actually five foot eleven. And 205 pounds. Oh, well, I met you in your wrestling boots. You might go six feet. Oh, no. Oh, oh, in the real, oh, in the wrestling boots. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, in the wrestling boots, I'm about six feet. Oh, six okay. Six even because I'm not a tall one due to my bow legs. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. How about the 218 pounds? You're close. I think at that time when I wrestled local, though, that was before I got I was kind of big then. I was about two, was 213, I think, at that time. Oh, okay. Very good. I'm yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you got pretty close on that one. Oh, very good. Okay. Well, Prince Kai, how many times have you met 
Blanco, Sultan of the Sky local? Um, I've met him a lot of times along my career. He's kind of for I've known him for about three years now. We've wrestled on um, several shows together. Uh, he's, I think he's based out of Florida, but yeah, I've met him a couple of times. He's a good guy. I have, uh, I've never had an issue with him. He's always polite, always speaks. We always have great conversations, and you know, we uh, and he, we always talk wrestling to each other just to see, you know, pick each other's brains. Has he ever men- mentioned if Eddie Guerrero was an influence on him? Eddie Guerrero. Um, I know Eddie Guerrero is one of his uh, one of his all time favorites, so um, I'm, I would guess that yes, Eddie Guerrero was a huge influence on him, especially because he kind of leans towards the more of the lucha style, and Eddie has a background in the lucha style. But um, yeah, I would say that he was one of his influences. I do believe he's mentioned it before. How big would it be to you if you could travel back in time once again and travel in Eddie Guerrero's lowrider down to the ring? <laughs> that would be huge. That, that'll make the uh, – that'll be uh, great. I put a big smile on the, the eight-year-old in me because <laughs> I used to always just imagine what it would be like to drive down to the ring when I used to watch him on SmackDown growing up. Oh, okay. All right. Well – Good luck in in your looking up Sam the Eagle on the Muppet Show. And at this time, I'm turning it back over to Sangai. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Sangai. Thank you, QT. Well, Prince Kai, in the history of professional wrestling, there have been many people with the name Prince. Uh, we've had uh, Prince... Tonga, which of course uh, was Haku. There's been the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. There's been Prince Iakea. There's been several more princes, I'm sure, over the years. Where would you put yourself in the lineage of princes in wrestling? Oh, well, I, I'm for it. Yeah, actually, me, I'm not going to be that objective. Of course, you know, to my ego, I'd probably I'd put myself at the top. Now, whether I'm right is another story, but, you know, of course, I got to go. I got to I gotta say that because if you don't believe you're the, you're the best, uh, you, I don't think you should be doing this. But, uh, uh, yeah, I definitely got great respect for all those guys, but I definitely would want to put myself at the top. And if I'm not there yet, I'm definitely going to work as hard as I can to get to uh one of the best princes in the history of professional wrestling, that's for sure. I don't see why you can't take that top spot if you're not already there, although <laughs> best of luck wrestling it away from Prince Tonga. Oh, yeah. He's one of the most scariest humans in the history of professional wrestling, that's for sure. Anytime you rip a guy's eye out in Puerto Rico, it, <laughs> you need to be a little bit leery of him. Exactly. Now, like we were uh, saying earlier, you've done several shows with AEW, and just yesterday they launched another uh, video game app, and hopefully that will be very successful. But... Do you yourself consider yourself a wrestling video game connoisseur? I don't know. Somewhat. I'm a, I'm a wrestling gamer. 
Um, I've loved them since I was a kid. My favorite one was uh, No Mercy. I had uh, WCW Mayhem. I had WCW NWO versus uh, WCW, of course. Um, so, yeah, I do consider myself a wrestling gamer. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to getting up my hands on the um, AEW game. But, uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, did you ever sit down and talk with uh, some of the people about the video game? Were they picking the brains of some of the people in the locker room to get their opinions on the game, or is it something they kind of kept in-house? Uh, something they kept in-house. Um, they, they, they they didn't really pick our brains, or at least not mine. So, but yeah, I think it's something they kind of kept in house. I didn't have, unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to talk to them about it. For the people that are listening that have never had the experience of wrestling for a national company, could you walk us through what the typical day is like on a day that you're? wrestling for AEW, sort of uh, what you would do from the time you arrive to the time you're leaving? Uh, I don't really think I could talk about it. You know, I don't want to get trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah, we don't, um, don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, I don't want to get in trouble because I don't know what I can share, what I can't share. Because, you know, I definitely want to be invited back. So, uh, But, I mean, for the most part, you know, everybody gets together. We get we get our matches. They uh, talk to our agent. Agent approves the match, and we go from there. But uh, I don't really want to get too far into it because I don't know what I can share and what I can't share. Understood. Yeah, we definitely don't want anyone in trouble. <laughs> um, obviously, wrestling is just getting back to touring at the national level, the independent circuit, depending on which area of the country you look at, has been relatively open since the pandemic uh, took a big hold last year. But at the national companies sort of stayed in one spot. Now that things are pretty much open across the board in wrestling, are there any places, be it domestically or internationally, that are most attractive to you to go to that you haven't been to before for wrestling? No, like to do progress in England. Uh, Canada, I would definitely like to go to Canada. I would like to go to uh, go to UK. Want to wrestle there because I love the British style. Um, down in Mexico, I would love to wrestle down there. Uh, course we already spoke about japan i would love to wrestle there so yeah um those are some of the places canada the uk mexico and japan not a bad list at all obviously if you go down to mexico they primarily do the lucha libre style of wrestling down there and the lucha libre style has really gained a lot of interest and a lot more popularity from American fans over the last few years. Uh, not a lot of American fans really knew much about it until really the last 15 to 20 years and 
it's slowly gaining popularity to the point where in almost every region of the country you see Lucha Libre-specific promotions. What do you think has really lent itself to the rising popularity of the Lucha Libre style? Um, well, I think when Lucha Underground came out, that kind of put a good light on Lucha Libre. Um, for the most part, I think people have always been fans. Cause I remember the first I was introduced to it was back in WCW when they would have their Lucha doors, and I thought it was amazing because I just seemed like a bunch of superheroes flying around, kicking the crap out of each other. <laughs> But in uh, modern times, I think uh, the independents, a lot of the guys, in, a lot of the guys in the Indies, I see they're adapting the lucha style for the most part, so it's becoming more and more prevalent, more and more dominant. So, uh, yeah, those are my opinions on I think uh, what's lent a hand in making the lucha style popular. I know, uh, like I said, um, I was first introduced in WCW, but I think Lucha Underground kind of made it a, uh, really huge, and also how Ring of Honor. They have some of the more popular luchadors, and of course, AEW has Penta and Ray Phoenix. And Ray Phoenix, like the king of the ropes, he does things that I didn't even think was possible for the most part. I'll, on the flip side of the lucha libre style, uh, there's been a really big upswing in the last few years of the. European and British style of wrestling, which is a lot more mat-based. Um, a lot of European countries will use round systems uh, in their professional wrestling. It's a very, very different style than anywhere else, but we've seen a real rise in the popularity here in America of that. And WWE took notice to the point where they have their own uh, UK brand and emphasize that style of wrestling. Uh, why do you think in the last few years we've seen so much more popularity in the British and European style of wrestling compared to a few years ago? Um, it's actually one of the styles I, I like, I prefer. Um I think we've seen a lot of popularity in that because it's, uh, it's, for lack of a better term, it's like, it's more similar. It mirrors almost like UFC and combat wrestling. It holds. It, it tells you can tell great stories with it. It shows off um, a wrestler's uh, the skills as a wrestler. It's pretty much the essence of wrestling. You know, working holds, trans, smooth transitions, uh, you know, joint manipulation and stuff like that. You know, it kind of um harkens back to wrestling's beginnings when guys would legitimately work on the ground and probably much, pretty much wouldn't even get back up until the end of the match. Um, so I think that's why it's just a, it's like a, almost like a cycle. I think that's why it's gaining popularity again, because, you know, UFC is super popular. It's almost akin to that. And then, and I mean, everybody's tried to make their brother or cousin or, you know, little brother, some tap out, with a with the move they seen on TV when they were growing up too as well, so it's also like a nostalgic thing to it, and it's not necessarily slamming. So you probably at home, kids probably at home trying to <laughs> tie their uh, little brothers in the pretzels. But um, yeah, I think it's gained popularity. Like Bechdel fans gained popularity because it's one of the 
it's just like to me it's like the essence of wrestling like i love pure wrestling myself i love uh working holes telling stories you know it's just i don't know it's just it's it's more more believable for me Well, we're down to the last few minutes of our show today, and I want to make sure you have ample time. If there's anything that you would like to say to our listeners, anything that you would like to plug and promote, the social medias, upcoming appearances, merchandise, your favorite movie theater, anything that you would like, the floor is all yours. Okay, yeah. So, of course, you guys can follow me on my Instagram, the underscore Prince underscore Kai, uh, my Twitter the the underscore Prince Kai. Um, that's where I'll be posting all my uh, uh, updates and my wrestling stuff, all my AW stuff. Of course, I got I got a couple of shows down in Georgia, sitting so down in the Georgia area. July 31st, I'll be in Thomaston, Georgia, at a Pro Wrestling Circuit. So that's going to be my upcoming show. So if you guys are in the Georgia area, please come down and check me out. I promise you won't be disappointed. And I appreciate all support I've been getting. I appreciate this opportunity to be on the podcast. Um, kind of surprised me when you guys messaged me, so <laughs> I thank you guys for that, and I uh, really enjoyed my time on here today. And Yeah, so just make sure you guys follow me on social media for any updates and everything that is Prince Kai. Prince Kai, we were absolutely delighted to have you with us today. We appreciate it greatly, and hopefully we'll get to do this again soon sometime, and Hopefully, I will be seeing you on more AEW broadcasts. Uh, yes, sir. Hopefully, hopefully, you'll be seeing me full-time. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. So, if you're listening, AEW office, offer them the contract. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to step on your platform, and it was a pleasure to talk with you guys, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. You're always welcome back. Fans, definitely, if you haven't seen Prince Kai yet, then check him out on the YouTubes. Go and watch what he does. He's great. Hopefully, you'll be seeing him on the national level in the not-too-distant future. But as we wrap up today, like we were saying earlier, we did lose WWE Hall of Fame member Paul Orndorff. Earlier this week, he had been in ill health, and uh, we lost him this past Monday. So as we close out the show, we will do our traditional 10-bell salute in his honor.